Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where I work my way through who I think are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy for us to start the conversation about for this 2022 preseason. The good news is all your formats are open outside of the draft format of Ultimate Footy. So if you're playing salary caps or you're playing draft formats in those leagues of Dream Team, Supercoach and AFL Fantasy, there is plenty to go and check out. And today we've got a real interesting player. He's been a staple of fantasy sides for the better part of half a decade. But is that going to continue? We're talking about Zach Merritt. And I've got another special guest on this podcast. Uh, he's one of our favorites. We love what he does with the rest of the team at the Draft Doctors. If you play drafts of any formats, seriously, you're playing it wrong if you haven't checked out what they're doing. We've got Stevie Fizz on. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, MJ. How about yourself? I'm keeping mostly out of trouble in ISO life in Melbourne. So happy days all around. Um, Zach's an interesting player, and I'm very keen to get your take on him. Still just the 26 years of age. It feels like he's the Benjamin Button of fantasy footy. He does not age. Midfield Midfield only eligible yet again. And last year, career high scores across the formats for us too crazy to think after what has been some really nice scores up to 2021 but it was a 153 against the now reigning premiers melbourne in dream team and fantasy was a monster in super coach against the swans a 168 averages last year was 110.3 in dream team and fantasy and he was 0.1 percentage shy of being a 115 average player in super coach in that format, going to set you back just over 625K in AFL Fantasy, bang on 925K and 940,700 in DT. And Steve, when we think about these just evergreen, reliable, low scoring deviation sort of premium midfielders, almost regardless of the format you play, salary cap, keeper league, single season. Zach's probably one of the most reliable, durable, and consistent players we've got going around. Yeah, he's a machine uh, every single year. Of course, a great Western Victorian and, yeah, and puts out big and, and never misses. Never misses. No, never misses so. as a good Western Victorian should have. Um, it, like you, those stats, he, he just has this way of built second in the league per game for uncontested possessions, fourth for effective disposals, top 10 for total disposals per game, handballs per game, inside 50s per game, 16th in the league for score involvements per game. He just builds his scoring in every single possible column from a fantasy perspective last year, 17 dream team and fantasy tons, seven over 120 in dream team and fantasy, three over 140, including that PB 153. And just the two scores under 80 all year. And he had eight consecutive tons to kick off the year. Ranked ninth overall for total points and ranked um, inside that top barrier also for averages, which was 110. Supercoach could I even claim it might have been even better. 17 tons, eight over 120. Six of those were over 130, including that PB 168. Two sub 90 scores all year. Ranked 14th for averages last year with that 114 and 12th for total points 
And I suppose, Steve, we could go back to what he did in 2020. We could go back to what he did in 2019, but there's there's almost really no point because what he gave us last year is almost the litmus test for what we need, for what he might be in the future and what he has done. He's just been so good for so long. Yeah, he has. And he's had a really interesting career, I'd say. Like, Obviously, he had those just amazing scores when uh, Essendon were, were battling with the the saga, um, which was in the past, and obviously put out some massive numbers. But he's been a premium premium midfielder for, for so long, and you'd absolutely love to have him on your draft day. Oh, yeah. I'll be interested to know what a, a hat winner thinks of him in salary, though. That's, oh. that's what I want to know. <laughs> what a hat winner thinks of him in salary. I'll, I'll answer that for you in a sec, but I suppose, and I, and I know you're very big on talking about this from a drafting perspective, and it's, it's arguably most important there, but definitely has some truth for salary cappers is he just doesn't miss. I think he's missed, what, two games in the past six seasons. And that is Jack Crisp territory of near faultless availability and durability. And those two games he's missed were suspensions. So he's really durable, really high consistency of scoring. Um, Up to last year, a pretty good conversion of 120-plus scores. And while I'm definitely happy to share my thoughts on him in a set, Steve, for me, I... I watched that Bombers side evolve last year. And while we can't ever project injuries coming, the best we can do is believe everyone's going to be fit and healthy. That midfield's starting to stack out, isn't it? Parrish has established himself. Caldwell, they'll want to give him games if he can get through there. Stringer started to become a CBA mid. Merritt is the evergreen always through there. And then you've got McGrath, Langford, they probably want to see him have some time through, albeit marginally. And then a Dylan Shield. It does start to get pretty stacked for opportunities and potentially even then maybe impacting some of his fantasy output. Yeah, I'm actually 100% with you. Like We can talk about how good he's been, but when you look at that, that team and what happened within it last year, I believe everything kind of broke his way as well as it could in terms yeah. of what his fantasy output is. So she'll missing so much, I think, is a big factor. Um, yeah some of these other younger guys coming through string is probably an interesting one. Cause he, he was always sort of getting small amounts of center bounce That's time right. um, before drifting forward that I, I, I would believe that sort of happens again, but Zach was their highest CBA midfielder. And I'm just not sh- sure that repeats it might, but yeah. either way, I, I don't think you're going to get that same massive. You, you might, but I believe it's more likely that he drops a fraction rather than, other than maintains, if all those players are healthy. And I'm actually with you. I presume health. Yeah, I think it's the only way we can go because if you always presume injuries, it'll create confirmation bias along the narrative that you want to go with. So I I look at that Essendon midfield and go, okay, if they're all healthy, they're going to need guys playing off the flanks of the forward and the back line. And I don't believe that Dylan Shield can do that. Um, Andrew McGrath could. We know, as you point out brilliantly, Stringer's, I feel like he does what Dusty and Dugowie can do, which is center bounce mid and then just stream forward um, and not really add too much through the midfield outside of that center bounces and trying to get that center clearance out of the way. Whereas Zach, he's played as a halfback at times throughout his career. He, he started his career as a half forward. And so I think because he's such a good user of the ball, he's so high footy IQ and in getting into space He's going to have no problems getting high volume of the ball 
But as you look over his scoring trend of how the year went on, those 120s aren't as many, certainly probably more for dream team and fantasy. Like the conversion of 17 tons to only seven over 120, when you're in a pure salary cap focus for a second, um, which is I know what you're asking before, you're expecting that to be captaincy consideration. Seven 120s last year, eight in super coach. Yep, there's some really nice 140-plus scores across those formats. But for me, as we presume health for Essendon, we presume, and as I think it's rightly, that Caldwell, Parrish are going to stay as mainstays through that midfield. For me, I've just got enough hesitancy to go, look, yep, he might just be a 110 guy again. But to hold that price point to start the year, he's got to come out of the gate as a 120 mid. And so for me, is it improbable? Yes, anything is probable and possible. But for me, I think he's going to be a really solid option. I don't see him dropping much beyond a 105 guy just because of how good he is as a user at getting into space. Essendon have a relatively fantasy-friendly game style. But I'm with you, mate. I feel like I'd rather wait and upgrade towards him and maybe pick up a little bit of value rather than start with him and need him to be one of my captaincy guys that I oh, just project a little bit of regression there. Um, now, injuries could obviously change that, can't they? And I suppose that's what January and February is all about, isn't it? It's about adapting to the circumstances and situations that come to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would suspect that's where he becomes a better draft pick, than yeah. a salary cap pick, because like you said, the upside probably doesn't exist. If you upgrade to him during the year, that's probably a fantastic situation because he'd probably come back a little bit in price at some point, but in draft, you can bank on him playing every week uh, pretty much. And he's going to deliver you a pretty good score. He's probably a captaincy option, but he's probably going around the one, two turn. Yeah. I was, I was keen on your thoughts and it's something that you've talked about a lot on your podcast. Again, if you haven't checked out the draft doctors podcast, you can go and get it pretty much wherever you get good podcasts from. And even when you get some bad ones, you can probably find it there too. So I'm as ours, (laughs) but you've, you've talked a lot about that mindset of coaches probably in the latter half of the first round of when do people start looking at the Grundies, when do they start looking at the Duncan Taranto um, sort of guys, even a, a Dunkley in some eyes might even be in consideration on that turn. Would you be confident with him as an M1? It seems like that's what you're kind of suggesting he absolutely is. Or would you feel safer? And again, it all depends where you're drafting on draft day. Would you rather have him as an M2? I've actually got him ranked as an M2. Uh, if he turned out to be my M1, let's say I'm in the first round and pick five or six or whatever, yeah. I take Brody Grundy. I'm absolutely perfectly fine with him as my M1 in round two. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I, I probably don't have him inside the first round. Again, the variable of how many coaches, what custom scorings do you have, how many players on the field, all, all those variances absolutely kick in. But I, I'm the same. Look, if he's an M1 and I'm picking him up in that second round, happy if your draft falls to you in such a way that you can go midfielder midfielder and he becomes an m2 um absolutely fine in super coach he might slide around um a, a little bit more so he his range might be rounds three to four rather than two to very early three um but he's just so consistent he's just so durable um even with a small piece of regression 
Um, I, I only think it's marginal if that. Um, for those curious, he does have the round 12 buy, which again, drafts has no impact, but he's on that same buy round as GWS, Port, St Kilda, Richmond and Carlton. So some might have a steal, um, maybe even a Walsh, um, as some higher guys ranked ahead of him, or Josh Kelly, if you want to get on that train with me, there is plenty of room available on that train to jump on again this year. Um, that's going to be a, a defining piece um, in there as well. But look, he's relevant. For me, I, I'd flag him as an upgrade guy. And on draft day, he just won't disappoint you. I'm with you, man. I think he's going to be very, very good. Hey, Stevie Fizz, uh, appreciate all your fine work on this podcast, my friend. No, thanks, Hef. thanks, Hef, for having me. I think, and even with draft, he's he's one yeah. of those guys who opens up options later on. Say you have That's a true. couple of guys who are very safe, it might allow you to pick uh, a riskier guy later on who who might be able to, like a Jai Simpkin, who might blow up and be a top five, but he yeah. might also kind of slide back a little bit. Yeah, it's good. He he's almost that anchor for your team, isn't he? Where yeah, it gives absolutely. you the opportunity to to take that extra second and third midfielder risk. Or we know the forwards are great in some areas, but we also know that you could put question marks on all of the top twenty five guys yeah. without working too hard. So I'm with you, man. I think he's a really solid pick through there. Uh, if you're loving the draft doctor stuff, mate, uh, what's your website? Where's the podcast can be found? I believe you've got a couple of things for us coming in the works in 2022 again. Yeah, so we've got the website. It's just thedraftdoctors.com.au. We've got some articles slowly drip feeding out there. We've got the draft kit. Uh, draft uh, dropping TBA, but very, very soon we're working our butts off on it. And the mock simulator should be up uh, just after that, hopefully. Although it's it's open, but it's not set. So you guys can... I know plenty of people already over right there on it and um, <laughs> messing around. I don't want to... I'm not looking at it yet, just yet. So yeah, and the podcast every Wednesday. Yeah, look, seriously, uh, if you follow the coaches panel, uh, cannot advocate and, and support these guys more highly. They're brilliant at what they do. They're a load of fun. Um, and, and they give some absolute banging advice and some hot takes. And, and they explain strategy, not just tell you what to do. They help you understand the mindset, which is one of the things we really appreciate these guys. So absolutely go and check it out. If you missed any of those, the good news is just rewind the podcast 30 seconds or we'll put the link in the description for you so you can go and check out all the great work that these guys do to support the fantasy footy community. All right. Tomorrow we get to the number 22 in the 50 most relevant. Yeah, it's getting real tight towards the upper echelons now. We head to the back line once again. We, we haven't been there for a couple of days. And in some people's eyes, this guy is just a lock. You look at the price that he has, and then you look at the legacy history of what he does. It just feels like it's one of the bargains of 2022. While others look at it, and there's a big variance that's coming in his life over the past 18 months that some coaches just go, I want no part of that. Especially with the news of DPPs being added into Supercoach and Dream Team, just like they are in AFL Fantasy. Who's this defender? Who's the team? And is he as good as everybody thinks he'll be? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.